Welcome to the Heartbeat Church Podcast. Our vision is for people to live in the image God intended them to be in. For more information visit heartbeatchurch.org.au An idle mind is the devil's workshop, so the old proverb goes. And that proverb epitomizes what Pope Gregory was teaching about the dangers of slothfulness. For a person who is inactive is tempted to take a path that will lead them astray. As Rachel has just read, the book of Proverbs teaches a lot about the person who is slothful. The dangers of the sluggard who continually sleeps, who makes all sorts of excuses not to work. And because of the dangers of being slothful, the Bible encourages people to be diligent in their work. Even the Apostle Paul stated to the church at Thessalonica, the one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. Throughout the period of church history, work has been valued. To the desert fathers that went out and fasted in the wilderness, who overcame temptation. To the monks in their monasteries, who encouraged that each day would be disciplined hard work. To the famous 19th century Protestant work ethic. The Bible upholds Christians to be hard workers, to be disciplined and to be thrifty with their money. For as we are acutely aware in our society, our value is derived by how productive we are. The more productive an individual, the more value they are seen to possess. For our value is determined by how many tasks, how many things that we can accomplish in a single day. And if you do not accomplish anything, then you are simply a dead weight. On society. But looking around at our society, there are many ills and sins. But it seems that this seven deadly that this deadly sin, slothfulness, is not one of them. In fact, it seems that our society actually could benefit from being more slothful. Then people would not be so crazy busy. In our society, it is genuinely rare to find. A sluggard, one who literally sleeps all day and does nothing. All of us are busy in some way, shape or form. Even those of us who are retired from work, your schedule can become even busier and more unpredictable. So how do we apply this sin of sloth to those who are working 60, 70, 80s, even 100 hours a week? Those who are juggling the responsibility of work, family life, and a social life. Surely those who are busy are exempt from this sin of sloth. But like many of these sins, the popular caricature of them is merely a symptom of a deeper issue. In Heronius Bosch's painting of the seven deadly sins, he portrays sloth as a lazy man there seen there in the picture, dozing in front of a fireplace. And as he is dozing there, he has a dream about a nun who reminds him to say his prayers. 
That's very interesting that Bosch's painting depicts sloth as a spiritual issue. For originally sloth, or the Latin word acedia, which in turn was based off the Greek word arcadia, literally means a lack of care. And this lack of care is not just simply about work or just some lack of effort to do anything. Those are merely symptoms of a much deeper issue, not caring about spiritual matters. Pope Gregory illustrated the effects of slothfulness with speech. And he wrote, Because the slothful mind is typically brought down to its downfall gradually, when we fail to control our speech, we move on to more harsh words. Thus, at first, we are happy to speak of others kindly. Afterwards, we begin to pick at the lives of those of whom we speak. And finally, our tongues break into open slander against them. The point Gregory is making is that our lives become more slothful when our spiritual life starts to deteriorate. And this impacts everything. Gregory gave us the example of words, but also includes our actions and our work. Then the end result of sloth is the total abandonment of one's faith. It's very interesting. The Desert Fathers used to call sloth the noonday demon. And for those that have lived in the desert or a hot place, the sun is its hottest at noon. It's when it is its most oppressive. And this noonday demon would make life feel so oppressive to the monks that they would be tempted to give up on their spiritual discipline. Now, the life of a desert monk is so far removed from our lives, but the noonday demon lurks around, tempting us to progressively drop our spiritual disciplines, tempting us to remove any interest in worship of God. And this noonday demon in our modern world is likely due to overwork and not underwork. See, the vices that produce slothfulness are obvious. But what is not obvious in our busy world is that workaholics are just as poisoned by sloth than those that are sluggards. Author Jeff Cook argues, sloth is not merely laziness, it is indifference. Indifference towards my soul, my neighbours, my world. Oh my God. The point that Cook is making is that sloths are seeking to escape from reality. And workaholics may just be using their hard work to avoid the actual hard work of being a responsible adult. Bill Hybels calls this selective sluggardness, a compartmentalization of all the aspects of our lives. We may have some parts that are thriving and active and other parts which have completely fallen apart. And the example's obvious. The man who has accomplished so much at work, but has failed as a husband or father. The person who has everything sorted, but has no time to care for their own health. And obviously, the person who is so accomplished, 
but has no time to develop spiritually. The reason why Proverbs warns us so much about the dangers of the sluggard is because their lifestyle leads to ruin. All of us suffer from some form of selective sluggardness. But the question we all must consider is, is the areas that I am a sluggard in, will it lead to my ruin? Either myself or those around me. The sluggard is not only just indifferent to the needs of themselves and the needs of those around them. Deep down, the sluggard reveals a lack of love for God, their neighbour, and ultimately themselves. And Proverbs presents this figure of the sluggard. In many ways, he's like a tragic, comedic figure. His sayings and behaviour vividly illustrate his laziness. His pitiful excuses and sheer helplessness are comical. In one sense, the sluggard is meant to be mocked. His pitiful excuses for not working, as seen in Proverbs 22:13, there's a lion outside. I'll be killed in public square. That is on par with the excuse of I have to wash my hair tonight. It's pitiful, it's laughable, and that's the point. But at the same time, his life has Tragic consequences of Proverbs 20, verse 4 notes. Sluggards do not plough in season. So at harvest time they look but find nothing. The end result of the sluggard life? Nothing. Their life is a tragedy, a complete and total waste. And the point of the wisdom literature is to teach people to avoid negative outcomes before They arise, learn from this tragic, comedic life of the sluggard. He is a mocking joke, but he is also a terrible, miserable waste of life. So many wonderful opportunities are lost because of his sluggardness. And in the areas where we are selectively sluggard, what will be the tragic, comedic Outcomes, lost relationships, missed opportunities, poverty, loneliness, spiritual apathy, or perhaps an early death. The reason why Proverbs equates the sluggard with a lack of work is because in the Bible, work gives us the opportunity to develop godly discipline. And godly discipline in turn fosters godly Wisdom. While Proverbs never uses the terminology, the implication is that one who is not working is not worshipping God. And that was the implication the Apostle Paul also made when he set his rule, the one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. Now, if you are not working, and that's not working in the sense of having a nine-to-five job, but in the sense of being idle and disruptive, then you are not worshipping God. For Genesis tells us that human beings were created to work and serve the garden. And it wasn't that very action of serving the garden that they were worshipping. And it was by working that humans would learn more about God. 
and by working, their wisdom would be derived. The Irish monk Columbus said, understand the creation if you want to know the creator. Work is part of creation and we grasp a glimpse of God's wisdom as we work in his creation. And the classic example of learning about creation and wisdom and work comes from Proverbs 6, 6 to 11. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler. Yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief, and scarcity like an armed man. The ant has no ruler, yet God in his infinite wisdom has given the ant the ability to see that it needs to store food in summer at the harvest time. So it is prepared for the challenges of winter. Look at the ant, you sluggard. There's nobody nagging it, telling it what to do. Has no commander, overseer or ruler. But it knows exactly what it is meant to do. Look at this tiny ant. Is its life a tragic, comedic joke? No. Despite its seemingly insignificance in the grand scheme of the cosmos... The ant is highly productive and incredibly successful. So sluggard as you lie there, how long will you continue to lie? For reflect very, very carefully your present comfort. You may be relaxed. You may be well rested. And that's all well and good at this moment. But what will happen in the future? Poverty will strike unexpectedly, like a thief. Scarcity like an armed man. If you have wisdom, friends, look at how God has given the ant its wisdom for its work ethic. If you fear God, look at the wisdom of the ant and become wise. Former Navy SEAL turned life coach Jocko Willick says, Discipline is the pathway to freedom. Discipline is the pathway to freedom. For motivation will evaporate. Fatigue will cause us to give up. But discipline, ironically, gives us the strength to pursue tasks, even when they're difficult. And because the sluggard has no discipline, they will always choose convenience, regardless of the long-term ramifications. For as Proverbs 24, 30 and 30 to 34 says, I went past the field of a sluggard, past the vineyard of someone who had no sense. Thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds and the stone wall was in ruins. I applied my heart to what I observed and learned a lesson from what I saw. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. 
Now here we're given a first-person account from Solomon as he is walking around Jerusalem, as he visits members of his kingdom. He comes past a sluggard's vineyard. Thorns are growing everywhere. Weeds cover the ground. The wall that is meant to be protecting that vineyard from animals and thieves is ruined. In a farming community, to be this lazy is pure stupidity. For the vineyard will not produce anything in a farming culture. The only way you got your income was if your crops produced a harvest. And to not do anything is madness. But this is the danger, friends, of choosing convenience over the long-term ramifications. For the one who states a little sleep, a little slumber... A little folding of the hands to rest will end in disaster. Why Proverbs hates the sluggards so much is ultimately they seek to gain fruitful labour for no effort or investment. The sluggard fails to accept responsibility for his life. And ultimately, once one becomes slothful in their behaviour, they're ultimately seeking to find the rest of Eden. Without God. The the medieval theologian Thomas Aquinas argued that slothfulness is really a failure to maintain the holiness of the Sabbath. See, the Sabbath rest assumes a week of work. But Sabbath minus work equals laziness. While on the other hand, overwork with no Sabbath equals slavery. Rest is not possible without work, and work is not possible without rest. A slothful person, even a selective sluggard, fails to rest in God. Like all of us, a slothful person needs a new understanding of rest, God's Sabbath. Unlike the ancient Near Eastern creation myths, where the gods create humans to be their slaves in order for the gods to rest. In Genesis, humans were not created to serve the whims of Yahweh, but ultimately to live in shalom, in peace, in the garden. And unlike the ancient Near Eastern gods who rested because they needed sleep, the reason God slept. The reason why God rested, rather, is to point humanity's reliance on on his provision for them. Now, unfortunately, the word rest conjures up many negative and unhelpful images. For when one rests, it implies that we have become fatigued. A more accurate translation would be God did not rest, but God ceased, and God ceased because he had finished creation. There's a very, very distinct ordering to creation. Land and sea are separated, sky and ground, even the animals, you have different categories, land, sea, and air. And the point of all this is that there is an order, there is a way the cosmos operates, and you transgress those boundaries, and chaos ensues. What happens when the seas and the land violate their boundaries? People are destroyed. Houses are ruined. And the point of the Sabbath was to create an order of working and resting. 
this is how the cosmos is to operate. And the blessing of the seventh day was that God set it apart and made it holy. And he made it holy by filling it with his presence. The seventh day is God's gift to humans, that they will work and work meaningfully, but their lives will not be work. It will include meaningful rest. And humans are to follow this because this is the pattern set by their creator. And in fact, God's rest is so foundational that it's enshrined in the Ten Commandments. As Exodus chapter 20 from verse 8 states, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you are to labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son nor your daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. Commentator Terence Freitheim commentating on this. He notes that the purpose of the Sabbath is to remind the Israelites that time is not their own. It belongs to Yahweh. And as such, he has the right to do whatever he wants of it. Yahweh has the right to determine how time will and will not be utilized. And to remember the Sabbath is not merely just to recall it in our minds. In the Hebrew, to remember is to actually do something. There has to be an action. For the Israelites, their whole lives were meant to be lived in imitating Yahweh. That was the purpose of the Torah, to set out the stipulations and directives that told the Israelites not only who Yahweh is, but how they were to live and experience the freedom that only the commands of God can give. And it's interesting, all the commands Yahweh gives, the only one he observes himself is the Sabbath. And by following the Sabbath week after week, the Israelites were following the pattern of their Creator. But the Sabbath wasn't just merely there to remind the Israelites of the pattern of the creation order. In Deuteronomy chapter 5 from verse 12, the reason for the Sabbath is also given to remind the Israelites that they were once slaves in Egypt. The weekly Sabbath modeled by Yahweh also looks back to those significant moments in Egypt. The deliverance of Passover, and the crossing of the Red Sea. So each week on the Sabbath, on the Saturday, when the Israelites stopped, when they paused from their work, it was to remind them of the first seventh day of creation, when the world was perfect and at rest, but also pointed them to God as Savior, the one who would and had delivered them. But all this talk of Sabbath rest, of entering shalom, of mirroring Yahweh's example, can feel a little bit pie in the sky. How does this look 
practically. Especially since as Christians, we no longer uphold the Sabbath. For we see that Jesus Christ has fulfilled that. That He is now our rest. Well, we already mentioned the sloth is merely seeking to derive the blessings of the Sabbath. The joy of shalom to return to Eden without God. So what does that mean for our theology of rest? It doesn't mean we abandon our hobbies, our movies, our reading, our walks that we like to do on our day off. No. But a proper understanding of the Sabbath and God's rest will shape how we use our leisure time. As followers of Jesus, we look forward to the blessing of the new creation, there where we will experience true rest. So it means that these times of rest in our lives, we can approach them with that insight, that God is the one that gives out time. And at this moment of rest, however that may look, that you can partner with Him to enjoy this moment of Sabbath. See, it becomes a rest that's not chemically induced or sustained by mind-numbing entertainment, but it becomes about the genuine joy that God has given us, the gifts He has bestowed on His creatures. And when we approach rest that way, we will not waste our rest. For regardless of the life stage we're in, student, full-time work, unemployed or retired. It's very easy to let sloth creep in. Look at the sluggard and the consequences that his sloth brought to his life and reflect on the consequences of your sloth, even if it is selective sloth. The greatest temptation with sloth is to escape something, to escape despair. And we may make an excuse. There is a lion outside. I'll be killed. That pulling out thorns and weeds or repairing the stone wall is difficult. It is simpler in the challenges of life that we do not want to face to fold our hands, get some more sleep and have a little slumber. Friends, life is hard. And in the midst of challenges, that we do not know, that we do not want to overcome, whether it be work, family, finances, failing health, interpersonal relationships. The temptation can be simply to jump ship and to go into escapism and despair. But the irony is, as Jocko Willick says, discipline is the pathway to freedom. Discipline and self-control will overcome the waxing and waning emotions we have. For if you are disciplined and self-control, then you will do things even if you do not feel like doing them. I know no parent that likes hearing at 2 o'clock in the morning the cry of the baby on the monitor. The sloth merely rolls over and goes back to bed. But the diligent attends to that matter. And there are hundreds, if not thousands, of those moments in our life where we do not want to do anything. And we're tempted just to take the sluggard's path. But the irony is, if you are more diligent and more self-disciplined, then when those moments of rest come, you will learn to appreciate them even more. For they become special and unique. You will become more refreshed by them 
and not seek to waste them. But ultimately, the true overcoming of the sloth is to be disciplined in our relationship with Jesus Christ. For in that relationship, we will be granted the strength and wisdom to overcome any of the challenges that life throws at us. Ultimately, too, we need Jesus Christ to overcome our slothfulness. For he is the one to provide true rest. He is the one that gives what slothful souls are craving for. For as Jesus himself said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let me pray for us. Lord, as many of us struggle with that compartmentalized slothfulness, Lord, we see the example of the sluggard and how, Lord, he wasted his life. It was a joke, but also was miserable. And, Lord, there are things in our life that we are neglecting. And if ultimately, Lord, we are neglecting you, Lord, that will lead to our ruin. So help us to overcome the sloth in our life. Help us to understand that true rest is found in Jesus. Help us to learn that pattern of the Sabbath. And especially as we look forward to the new creation where we will experience rest, to not waste the rest that you have given us. And so we pray that your spirit will help us to overcome this, to give us the discipline that we need. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Heartbeat Church podcast. For more information about services, ministries and sermons visit heartbeatchurch.org.au.